You are listening to episode 80 of the Bastards of Kingswave podcast. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined by a guest today, Mia. How are you doing, Mia? Good. Good. And uh, we're at Anime North right now, but we're recording this podcast uh, before it starts to kind of cover some of the convention season so far this year, uh, starting with Calgary Expo, because it's the first time that we had the chance to attend the Expo in Calgary in the last week of April 2019. And we're going to talk a little bit about the panels we went there and Exhibitor Hall and Artist Alley and that sort of thing. And also at the end of this portion of the podcast, we're going to have the interview that we had. We had a short interview with uh, Paul Lee and Andrew Fung from Kim's Convenience on CBC, a TV show. It's a popular TV show of three seasons. So, but let's just talk about generally uh, what were your thoughts about Calgary Expo having the first time you went there? What did you think? It was uh, really uh, fun there, but the weather was quite cold. There was a blizzard uh, halfway through. There was lots of art in the artist alley, and it was very big compared to other cons. And the exhibitor halls had lots of stuff. Yeah, and I thought uh, it was pretty impressive for us. Uh, I mean, Calgary's not that big of a city, but the, its expo was pretty good. They're having me in the Comic-Con myself, San Diego. Like It was pretty good for a city. Uh, convention, they had the same uh, scan and badge, and we had to scan your badge in uh, electronically to keep track of it. Uh, I thought the exhibitor hall was pretty good, good variety there. There was good artists there. We got some works right uh, from the from the artist alley. Uh, so on Friday when we got there, we went to uh, it was a panel by Andrew Fung, who plays Kimchi and Kim's Convenience, and he was interviewing the voice actor of uh, Winnie the Pooh and uh, many other works so that was kind of cool we got to see him there i remember there was a baby that was like crying at the start and they were making jokes yes about the baby so that was friday uh we got to have some ramen that weekend as well which is nice uh for dinner remember that yes oh i mean that was saturday actually i think but it was good ramen and then let's just take a look at the schedule here because i have the schedule open to kind of remind us what was happening so on the Saturday, there was in the main Kim's Convenience panel, which was called OKCU with Paul Sung, Young Lee, and Andrew Fung. And that was really popular. There was a huge line outside, remember? Yeah. We were there, and then Andrew Fung came out and was taking pictures, and so did Paul. And then we, we managed to make it in, thankfully, and it was it was full. It was a full room of hundreds of people there. And then they, remember they, they were throwing out the uh, Kim Bits yeah. t-shirts, and then I grabbed one out of the air. Yeah. So it was nice. So we have a Kim Bits t-shirt. So that was a good panel overall, and then we were able to. I, I had requested since we were there as media uh, that who do you who do you want to interview? I listed them. Now we didn't hear about that but until Sunday. They gave us a call near the end of the day, and so we got to interview them on Sunday, um, which I thought was going to be maybe at a table or something. But they were like waiting in line for autographs and photos, so it was very it was very difficult to interview them. A good thing we brainstormed and prepared ahead of time, so we were prepared to do the interview yeah, that's right we, we we have an hour's notice so we went and wrote down some questions which helped uh, plan how we we're going to do it but we still thought it was going to be sitting down type uh, interview so it was odd that, that it was standing and with people there so given that circumstance i thought we did pretty well right yeah and so we'll have that at the end of this little uh this part of the episode just see if there's any other panels or something we want to talk about we went to a cyborg panel which was which was, on, which was on mine since we had seen Lita Battle Angel recently and we'll be talking about that later in the episode but this one was creepy about uh, real cyborgs like people putting like chips and things in their bodies and uh, I found it pretty creepy to be honest right 
Yes, uh, I fi- find it uh, uh, really uh, creepy for people to uh, do surgery on themselves because doctors are not allowed to help them insert chips or anything into their bodies. That's right, because because they're legally not, not, not allowed to do that in a lot of countries, so they don't have professionals do it. They just do it themselves and end up with huge scars and that kind of stuff. So I didn't... Um, I mean, it was a good panel in, in the sense that it showed what was going on, but uh, I didn't find it very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. these people uh, are very interested in the uh, combination of uh, machines and, and humans. I know, become... but it's so rudimentary. It's not really any real combination. They just put like a wireless chip in their hand so they can uh, set up their email or something. It's still very basic stuff and plus not tested. Like, oh, don't you think this going to harm your surrounding cells when you do this? In fact, they put magnets and things in there. It's just experimenting on their own bodies I think what about the person with the antenna and he could sense the different colors and yeah. he could compose well those are more interesting because those are people that yeah there's some people that had some issues with vision or audio uh, and then these are kind of almost these are a medical treatment for such right trying to compensate for that so that's a line that's along the line of a treatment but uh, for a healthy person to just put a chip in their foot and then they can say like, oh, they can, I can feel it when it gets warm it's being too like they use it too much, it gets warm. I'm like, well, what is that? What is that thing doing to your cells or your body, right? It could be causing damage in there. It's not designed to be in there, right? They want to enhance themselves with technology. Yeah, but it's just very, it's so rudimentary at the same time. Well, let's see what else we went to. We went to a panel about Odafest, which is uh, the anime the convention. The history of Odafest. History of Odafest, so the, the anime convention in that city, and that was pretty good. Got to meet some people there and, and learn a little bit more about the development of uh, conventions in general in this area. Um, I think that was it for main panels that I remember. We went to Exhibitor Hall, Artist Alley, quite a bit in the last few days as well. So then, yeah, so as we were talking about earlier, there was a, a blizzard that hit on the Saturday. We went back to the hotel, and it was the end of April blizzard. So that really, well, it was we wouldn't go back to the convention that day because it was coming down so hard for the people at the convention. They must have been really bad for them. Yeah, so that was that for... Um, the Calgary Expo. So we definitely enjoyed going to this press and we're grateful to get that opportunity to go there for the first time. And uh, so now I'll put the interview clip here with uh, Paul Lee and Andrew Fong. And then we'll be back to chat about uh, other conventions and movies we've seen recently. You talked about archetypes yesterday. And I mean, the show is more than just the Korean experience. Yeah. The immigrant experience. But one of those archetypes is many people are often go to medicine, law, that kind of thing, more stable jobs. Like, how did your family handle it when you went into acting? Like, how, how did you deal with that then and now as long as you're a big success? Yeah. They're very happy now. Uh, they're very proud now. Because of the, not only the success, but the role that I play in the community now. Because suddenly I've become, uh, I'm speaking for myself personally, in the Korean community, it's a success story. And in a field where there aren't very many success stories, especially if you're a performer or in the arts. Um, you know, and I've become uh, a good representative of, of a success story within the Korean community. So they're very happy now. I think when I first started off, they were much in denial. It was just a river in Egypt. They were like, my mom's like, so you're gonna you're gonna study acting to teach acting, right? And I was like, no, no, I, I want to be an actor. Uh, my my dad was definitely afraid that I was gonna like be, become destitute and uh, you know and die penniless, much like his older brother did. And I didn't realize this till later on, but his older brother that he adored was an actor and died that way. He, he died of a heart attack and, and 
poor. So it, it's been a long road, but you know, I, I think I've been able to sheer stupidity and willpower stuck in the business. And uh, like I said, I was too stupid, too stubborn to quit, and I, I found success this late in life. So. My route was a bit different. I, I did a degree in business. I, I did improv in high school, and I loved doing it. And I would go to school for university for business, and at night I would do improv. And so it was like a, it, I was in school for business. And then, uh, you know, my parents would come to my improv shows, and I think they saw that I was pretty strong in that field, and they, and they wanted me to support it. So in 2012, when I quit my job, they were very supportive because they felt like I was able to be successful at it. And I had won a couple acting awards and got me like best actor, best comedian. So they were pretty excited about that. And so when I got Kim's, they were just really pumped. So I had a bit of a different route because I didn't go right into acting. I didn't go to university for it. You got a legit job first. Yeah, I got a legit job. <laughs> that taught me such wonderful skills that I use now. So growing up, uh, uh, did you guys have any role models that inspired you to pursue the acting and improv? You know, like, I, I, love, I always saw the SNL guys, like the 90s SNL characters were always really good. But for like, my, like Jackie Chan was always a, a hero of mine. Um, but I didn't, I never saw myself on the screen. Like I saw like Kiki Kwan, uh, Short Round from Indiana Jones was my guy. Uh, Yik from Degrassi. Right. But we were always side characters. Yeah. Um, so in a way for me, in some ways it was nice to, once I accepted that I loved improv, I could just be me and focus on me. And the really cool thing now is that other young kids see me and they're like, we want to be you. And I'm like, I'm blown away by that. Yeah. And, it, and I say to them, be me, but I want you to be you. Find what you are good at, what you love to do, and do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's same thing. I mean, growing up, there were no Asian role models for me to look up to. I mean, we had Sulu from Star Trek, but nobody wanted to be Sulu. Everyone wanted to be Kirk or Spock, right? And like you said, they were side characters. Um, you know, Sam from Quincy. I'm dating myself here now, right? So, and, and uh, you know, like, uh, Ki Kwan from uh, uh, The Goonies was like, I was of that age, was like, that's a kid, he's my peer, he's up there, he's on those adventures, and that's what I wanted to do. But I, whether that inspired me to be an actor, I don't think so. I think it's just, I really fell in love with the, 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 craft. the craft of storytelling, and acting for me was something completely new and intoxicating. So it was so different from what I was doing before, and I got tired of science and math and all that other stuff, and it was, this was something that I really wanted to sort of dive into, uh, not fully realizing the, 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 the mountain I had to climb and all the, the obstacles in my path. So that's some naivete right there. So there's well, so. one more question for you to say. Okay, cool, guys. Okay. So. ask about uh, the balancing of family life? Yeah, so yeah. I I know you have happily married with two kids. How yeah. do you balance family life with your acting and improv? Just make big decisions, make firm decisions on what you do when. If it's work, it's work, if it's family, it's family. That's it, don't compromise it. How did yeah. you find that? I have to have an incredibly strong partner who's willing to support you uh, and, and take that time. But it's also about taking care of that partner as well. Someone it's downtime is absolutely way safe. You make time for them. And nothing is at the expense of your family. So. Any Game of Thrones predictions for tonight? It's going to be a bloodbath, yes. and I'm going to be weeping hysterically. <laughs> Finally, right after yeah, I, 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 I don't know what Game of Thrones is. Well, you got to introduce it. Can we take a quick picture? Yes. Let's grab that. Can you give it a Okay, three, two, one.
Okay, so we're back after the interview, and we're going to talk about the Odafest, which is uh, an anime convention we went to uh, recently as well, a few weeks later. The weather was a little bit better, but still cold. It's colder than it should be in May. Um, so we're first going to talk about a little bit, let's compare Odafest, which is an anime convention, to Calgary Expo, which is a broader uh, geek convention. It includes anime, but other things as well. Uh, one of the differences, I think you were saying, is the number of cosplays between the two of them. Yes, Calgary Odafest had more people cosplaying, and many of the people cosplaying were young teenagers. Uh, whereas the uh, Ed- Calgary Expo uh, did not have as many people cosplaying as Calgary Odafest. And both uh, conventions had a large demographic of young teenagers appearing. Yeah, and I think uh, the cosplay makes sense because Odafest is more of a niche thing and more devoted to almost, right? People are more devoted to anime. So the, the fact there was more percentage of cosplay makes sense. Although there was still a decent amount of cosplay at the expo. like Still a decent amount of people there. Uh, but yeah, for both these conventions, definitely the, the tilt for the age was younger. Uh, Odafest even more maybe I, mean, I think the smaller the convention it is uh, often it's younger people so there was lots of teenagers or uh, people just out of their teens in these conventions whereas you compare it to a convention like Anime North which is bigger then you have a more variety of ages and older people which is which is good because when you're not a teenager anymore you, you kind of when you go to a convention you want to be surrounded just by teenagers and you're like well what am I doing here <laughs> but I think it also can affect how you run a panel for example right I think we, we dis- discussed that uh, when, when there's lots of younger people around, if you just put a lot of shipping in your panel, then that'll keep them satisfied. But when you have older people, maybe you need a little more complicated discussions to, to be popular or to get them interested. Yeah, so what did you say about my panelist tricks? Yeah, so you like to use your cheap panelist tricks, and it's very popular <laughs> among the young people. They always cheer. Give a cheer for this character. Yay! <laughs> but when it's the older people, they need a little bit more... Uh, depth to the panel, right? So it depends. You have to know which audience you're, you're talking to and which panel, which convention you're at. So then generally, Odafest, uh, unfortunately, is smaller. So the, the Artist Alley and Convention Hall were smaller. But that makes sense, right? It's a smaller convention in terms of numbers. It's, it's something closer to 9,000. So that was a little bit disappointing. But we still got some good artwork and still had some good panels. So I had a good time at Odafest. So that that's it for conventions. Other other than Anime North, which we're going to like, it's starting today. This is the Friday, so we'll have a, a recap like we always do for that one uh, after the convention is over. But I guess what we'll do now is just talk about a couple of movies we saw recently, uh, because that's part of Bastards of Kingsgrave's mandate is to cover general pop culture. So let's first talk about uh, Alita: Battle Angel, and this is be spoilerful, of course. Um, we saw that uh, near the end of its run, and uh, we actually are partaking in a panel for Battle Angel Elita here at uh, Anime North. So what did you think of the movie overall? It was a lot of fighting scenes, very exciting, and some of it was kind of gruesome with the blood dripping, uh, but I really like Alita, the main character. Uh, she was very uh, compassionate and kind, and uh, uh, she uh, was uh, kind of like the OVA portrayal. There was many similar uh, portrayals in be- between the two. You can definitely see that the OVA helped inspire the movie, the original video animation uh, kind of bridge the gap between the manga and the movie, but the, the movie had more because it was longer and was able to take more from the manga. But a character like Shirin, the 
the female partner of Ido, former partner, like she's not in the manga as far as I remember. So it drew upon that. Um, but you, I think you had pretty strong feelings about the character uh, Hugo or Hugo. What did you think about him? I think Hugo is very selfish and he is mean to Alita and he doesn't recognize or reciprocate any of the, the feelings that Alita feels for him. He only thinks about going to Zalem. He is obsessed with going to Zalem. Throughout the entire film, it shows that he is endeavoring, uh, trying everything to get to Zalem. And Alita helps him. Uh, but in the end, uh, he realizes his mistake. He he could have stayed in the Iron City and lived a good life with Alita, uh, but now it's the end. Yeah, and he thanks her too at the end, but it's too late, right? But I actually I like the portrayal. Let's talk. We're talking a little bit about differences between, let's say, movie and OVA. I liked Hugo's betrayal. He said the choice better in the OVA because he wasn't some handsome guy, and that's why Alita liked him. She liked him because he was so he had that look in his eye, looking to Zalem, and had that kind of goal and dreams. That's what caught. Her eye was in the movie. I think they tried to make him more of a traditional handsome guy, and that's why Alita likes him. So I found it was more believable in the OVA. But, yeah, I think, I mean, the character is a selfish character, but that's part of the tragedy, I guess. I mean, you have some weak characters in there as well. But uh, definitely Alita deserved better than him. But still has some pretty touching scenes, right? Um, What else are some of the differences we noticed? I mean, even the bad guy that they fought... In the no, in the movie, the, it was pretty similar to the OVA, but I, I thought in the OVA, Alita actually uh, was was a little easier for her. She didn't face that much challenge, right? She never got really injured. Like she got really injured in the the movie, right? But in the OVA, she never like she was able to. Like, for example, we thought she was gonna get cut up by the blades, but she got past them to kill the bad guy in the first part, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting is is in the OVA, Ido's the one who takes out Vector and all of that stuff. He's the one who goes there instead of Alita, which I thought that was interesting because he's mad both for what happened to the, the lies to Hugo, but also to um, to his partner, former wife, right? And then the OVA also has, uh, I mean, Vector is not shown as having sexual interests, but the OVA has some fan service in there uh, that uh, was not in the manga or in the, the movie. So I guess, but it may be a product of its times. It came around in the early 90s, right? So it's more toward an adult audience. Um, but yeah, overall, you liked the movie, Alita Battle Angel, and uh, it was it was good uh, graphics, definitely, right? Yes. Well, there was Motorball in the movie, right? Yes. Whereas in the OVA, I mean, I think it was on TV, but it was barely mentioned. Because the movie drew upon more of it, right? Yeah. More of the manga, the storyline. I also want to mention that there was a girl that was luring the doctor uh, towards her. Uh, in the movie, that girl actually turned out to be an evil monster. Uh, but in the OVA, she was just an innocent girl. That's right. Uh, she was at the in the movie. She had like the spider arms. It was all metal. But in the movie, in the OVA, she actually was just some innocent girl being chased down by these guys who were uh, brain junkies. But uh, like in the manga. Grishka isn't like that main character there. It's another character called like Mukaku, who's like this whole like horrible backstory and all this stuff happens. And uh, the manga's definitely got the most uh, depth to the story. Um, but it's definitely a dark manga. It's not for everybody. And uh, it's 
a lot of stuff like bloody and a lot of blood and violence in in, in all of these works, right? And uh, the OVA also shows uh, Hugo's backstory. He has a brother mm. and how his brother was trying to reach Zalem by creating an illegal aircraft and how uh, his wife betrayed his brother and all of that backstory was uh, dealt yeah. with. And that's not shown in the movie as much, right? So I think that adds more depth to, to Hugo or Hugo, uh, I think. So that's good. And that's in the manga. So it's interesting. They all have. They all have. Their, they're on their own little like version of the the story. <clears throat> so one other thing, I guess we'll talk about quickly, which is apt to talk about in in, in convention seasons and in, in, in a geek podcast like this, is Avengers Endgame because we saw that just when it came out, and uh, like many other millions of people, right? And uh, what did we think of it? I thought it was pretty good. I thought um, yes, it was a little bit long, but I mean, this is the big movie that's finishing this whole 1920 movie arc uh and i liked uh how it kind of like they they kind of killed like i mean they dealt with thanos so early on and then uh, then they kind of had like this um despair moment where they had to give up or kind of accept the situation and then they found a way to go try to change it uh but it was kind of a weird thing they weren't going to try to change what happened before it was almost just to borrow get the stones to bring them back right yeah what did you think about the movie um, I I find that how Thor uh, was portrayed as so fat and chubby very funny. <laughs> he must have put on a lot of weight to achieve that status of a fat. And then uh, he even when he was so fat, he was still uh, worthy to weld his hammer. And I like the part where Captain America was worthy enough to weld Thor's hammer, and uh, he was able to come back and fight with Thanos. And then he said, "Give me the big one. You here have the smaller one." Yeah, you can't use the big hammer or the axe. You can do the smaller one. That was an awesome scene. That whole fight was good. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good scenes, and I definitely enjoyed it. It was a long movie, but it was worth seeing. Uh, one yeah. thing I want to mention is how Romanoff was killed off. Oh. I think Hawkeye should be the one that got killed off. Uh, this uh, movie <clears throat> portrays the Romanoff uh, uh, in bad light. She is one of the first Avengers, and then she had to give away her life. I think it should be the other way around. Yeah, the bad light in terms of the ending for her was bad. Like, cause she was it showed her in a good light. Since she's the one who kept everything together when everybody was in despair, she was still running the Avengers, and all of that. So, uh, and it was almost setting up that way that that she was going to be the one to escape. Like, I mean, Hawkeye was going to die, and then in the last second she went down. And why? Cause he has a family that he should live. No, it would have been better if he had died and she survived. Especially since she's getting a, a prequel movie or something now. Yeah. I think so. That was a little bit disappointing. I saw some articles on that. Um, so that was a little bit uh, tough to see. But, you know, I never know. Maybe maybe they'll bring her back somehow. Like, <laughs> they didn't bring her back in the movie. But if her movie is popular, like a Rico movie, then they'll probably find a way to <laughs> write her back. But, I mean, this. I, I think I'm, I'm not really interested in really... I mean, I'll still see Marvel movies. But, okay, we had the big arc now. Do we really need to see more of them? Like, what else is going to top this, right? Um, so... I don't know. I don't. We'll see where it goes. Although we are going to see the Spider-Man movie, and actually, that, that's a nice segue into maybe the last movie to talk about is Spider-Man into the Spider-Webs or whatever that uh, animated movie. Far saw, from home. No, Far from Home is the one that's coming up, right? Remember, we saw the Spider-Man into like, the Spider-Verse. Yeah, like into the Spider-Verse, the the animated one. How did you think about that one? Uh, that one was very good. I like Peter Porker. Peter Porker, yeah. <laughs> it had all the alternate sp- Spider-Men or Spider-Women and Spider-People. And uh, I thought that was pretty entertaining and a pretty good uh, movie, actually. Like, good storyline. It was funny. Lots of 
humorous moments in that one, right? Yes. So that's definitely worth seeing. That's about it, really. I guess so we'll be back to cover Ambassadors of Kingsgrave in the future um, because we're actually, I mean, well, we're not attending as press because we're doing panelists, but uh, Ashley uh, is uh, actually on a press badge for Anime North. So we almost have to do a podcast to cover it, and we've done so the last few years. So we'll do that. But uh, until then, thanks for listening to the intersection of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire and everything else, the Bastards of Kingsgrave podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bastards of Kingsgrave. The intersection between a song of ice and fire and everything else.